I'm Lisa Mullins, and this is The World, a co-production of the BBC World Service, PRI, and WGBH in Boston. There is a political vacuum in Iraq, and it's encouraging insurgents to launch more attacks in the country. That's the assessment this week from a top U.S. military commander in Baghdad. It comes just as U.S. officials are increasing the pressure on Iraqi politicians to resolve their seven-month deadlock over the formation of a new government. Negotiations among Iraq's leading politicians have dragged on since elections back in March. Anthony Shadid is Baghdad correspondent for The New York Times. He says Iraqis are feeling uneasy. It is an anxious moment in Baghdad. This vacuum, uh, this lack of a government, has played out in the streets. And, you know, the conditions are as bleak as they've been since 2003. And I think that's the one thing when you, when you talk about perspective that's so interesting about Iraq is, and that is the benchmark or the, the starting point has often been 2006. And there's no question that violence is way down, you know, when compared to 2006 and 2007, that, that kind of chapter of almost nihilistic carnage that was going on. But if we bring that benchmark back to, say, 2003, when the Americans invaded, I think the situation is much more familiar in some respects. Those same complaints that we saw back then about electricity, about water, about sewage in the streets. Most Iraqis, they're frustrated, they're disenchanted, they're disillusioned with this political process that hasn't really delivered anything to change their daily lives. There is this growing disillusionment among everyday Iraqis toward this political process that has so far failed them. So with all eyes watching then, why is it that the conditions like that still exist? I mean, we're hearing right now in terms of the U.S. government to pressure that's been applied. Joe Biden is calling on the leader of the Sunni bloc in parliament to compromise. We heard Iraq's foreign minister, in fact, saying, you know, what is stopping the United States from putting more pressure on? What is stopping and has the pressure that's already been exerted resulted in anything. Well, I mean, you could make the argument that the United States is still an occupying power in some respects. There's still 50,000 troops there, and that's a lot of troops. Um, but it doesn't want to play that role of an occupying power. And so the, U- the U.S., I mean, I think since the election has been kind of caught between these two ways of acting. And on the one hand, it does still exert an enormous amount of influence. On the other hand, it doesn't want to exert that influence because it doesn't want uh, to create the perception that it's running things in Iraq today. Um, What we're seeing is a replay of something we've seen several times since, let's say, 2004, 2005, and that's the inability of the political class, a political class that we imposed in some respects, to reach a deal in timely fashion. You know, there's a fear, I think, among a lot of politicians that the next prime minister will try to centralize all the power around his party. And once that power is centralized, then they're going to be on the outside looking in. And that position is very precarious. We've seen it you know, happen before with Prime Minister Maliki, the way he dealt with his main rival, the Sadrists, the followers of a, of a Shiite cleric named Muqtada Sadr. When the prime minister strengthened his power, he started arresting, detaining followers of the Sadras, and they still hold it against him. That's one of the reasons the negotiations have been so tough. They haven't forgiven him. So the sense of not having a real opposition, of still having an insurgency going on, of the Americans you know, not able to really exert the influence that they do still have, it's created this deadlock that we're seeing right now, and a very dangerous deadlock. So we're, again, is the U.S. government, because it doesn't want to appear to be controlling things, even though, as you say, it's still an occupying force, where does that leave the U.S.? Is unable to exert any kind of influence over security there, especially with 50,000 troops? You know, it still has a, has a tremendous degree of influence. I think it's the political influence where you see them not able to exert their power, their authority, as well as they once did. They don't want to do it. They don't want to have the perception of doing it. Um, the kind of irony of it is that most Iraqis still think they are doing it. 
Well, it seems right now as if uh, even though the end of combat operations has been declared over as it was at the end of August, that, uh, well, let me pose the question for you. How how far are we really from the end in Iraq? You know, that's a good question. I, I just wonder about that. I, the former ambassador, American ambassador in Baghdad, Ryan Crocker, used to say, you know, we're in the first act of a, of a play that's going to last many acts. And you do get that sense. I mean, I, I never have really felt anything all that linear in Baghdad. I've always felt the recurrent, that things are familiar to me back from 2003 or 2004, say. And I think we're still in the very early stages of what Iraq's destiny is going to look like. The invasion played a huge role in how that destiny is going to unfold. But these forces that are at play right now, this contest for political power, for supremacy in the country, is only really starting in some respects. Um, I don't think we'll see carnage like we saw back in 06 and 07, but I think we will see a a struggle uh, for the identity of the country, for political power, you know, for the very orientation of what Iraq is going to represent in the future. Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter Anthony Shadid, author of books including Night Draws Near, which is an account of the invasion of Iraq and its aftermath. Very nice to have you here. Thank you. Thank you.